Awesome. Well, you know what? We hold on to that promise this morning that we are loved, and uh, actually today is all about uh, love on the uh, message today. But before we jump in today, um, I want to highlight something that's very uh, near and dear to our hearts, and next week uh, is our birthday as a church. So next weekend, Vintage is turning two. So if you were to think about birthdays, we are going from... uh, well, we're still wearing diapers, but we are going from crawling to waddling around, and we're trying to figure this thing out, and I think we're well on our way, uh, and uh, I just want to invite each and every one of you guys to be a part of it next week. Um, it is a birthday party, so we are going to have inflatables. We are going to have food trucks. We're going to have a special time of worship. Uh, I've got a vision message that God has placed on my heart to kind of uh, springboard us into this next season, and I would love for each and every one of you guys to be a part of it. But also, I truly believe wholeheartedly that there's probably somebody else in your life that also needs to be a part of it next weekend. And so one of the simplest ways that you can get somebody plugged in is tell them that there's free food and, uh, and, and tortillas and stuff like that, and we're fine. And every, everyone will show up. And, uh, and there's inflatables for kids. So you just you say inflatable around my kid, and they don't care where it's at. They, they're going to go. And so just let's have a blast next weekend. I want you guys to be a part of it. And uh, let's have some fun next week celebrating our birthday uh, right here at Blazer. Okay? You guys with me on that? Yeah? All right. Do me a favor and turn to somebody real quick and say, uh, are you ready for church this morning? There you go. Now turn to the second choice, the person you didn't want to talk to the first time, and tell them the same thing. There we go. <laughs> All right. All right. So we are in this series called Vintage Values, and today is week four. Uh, In the last three weeks, we've covered a different value that hopefully you can see up here. Week one, one of our values uh, here at Vintage is called Set Free to Be. And what that means for us is that we live in freedom by knowing who we are in Christ. That was something that we we try to focus on. We have to know who we are to live in freedom. Uh, Week two, Pastor Frank talked about strive to thrive, which means we passionately pursue our relationship with God. What does that look like for you? What does the passion behind that pursuit look like? Whether uh, that is getting involved in life groups, what does that look like in your prayer life? What does that look like with God's word? What do those type of things look like? And are you passionately pursuing those things? And then last week, I talked about better together, right? I talked about better together and how uh, we live in relationships within our church Uh, through three kind of lenses, being known, being loved, and being challenged. And we talked about three specific uh, men that were in uh, King David's life. So if you heard about David and Goliath, he didn't just show up one day with the ability to slay a king. He had a relationship with God, but he also had people in his life. And, And one of those people was Samuel. And Samuel actually anointed David and brought the call out of David. Then he also had another friend of his named Jonathan. And Jonathan was the guy that when he was hiding and afraid, Jonathan came to encourage him. And then when, unfortunately, David kind of drops the ball and makes a mistake, a Nathan shows up, and a Nathan speaks truth into his life. And we see how just in those three dynamics, you see somebody who's known, you see him loved, and you see him challenged. And we believe here at Vintage, that's kind of relationships we need to be in. And sometimes we love the loved part. Man, I love when people love me. I love when people high-five me. I love when people encourage me when I'm afraid, but man, do not challenge me. Do not speak truth into my life, right? Well, we believe that in order for us to move forward, 
We have to have those three elements in our life, okay? Today's value is love on purpose. But before I say that, I have to make sure that there's some clarity. Again, you hear this all the time with Vintage, that we have a purpose statement. And our purpose statement is kind of the, the, the means in which we do ministry. And our purpose is this. We exist to love everyone towards a growing relationship with Christ. So we always try to measure a few things here at Vintage. We don't try to make it difficult for anybody. We try to make it easy. And one of the things that we try to make sure is that, we, that you understand how loved you are. So we want to love you towards a growing relationship towards Christ. So we want to make sure you're loved, but that also that we're growing, which leads to the values, leads to the values. So then today's value, week four, is love on purpose. And what that means for us is we use our gifts to serve others with the love of Jesus. And as I was thinking about this, it was going to be real easy for me to program this message around, okay, what's your gift? Go use it. Simple. Right? But as I was praying about this, God made an audible. He kind of throws an audible, oftentimes, more times than none. Have you ever had an audible happen in your life? You think you're going one direction, and then all of a sudden, God just kind of changes course? That's exactly what happened with this message. And here's what the Holy Spirit spoke on my heart. They can't see the power in their gift because they don't, they don't understand how much I love them. You see, each and every one of you, let me first say this, or regarding this, this idea of love on purpose, each and every one of you have a gift from God that he has given you specifically to change the world with. Each and every one of you. It could be in the workplace. It could look like, uh, look, look like what it looks like at church. It could be in nonprofit world. It could, you have a gift within you that God has placed in you, something that is special to you that he says, I'm going to use that to change people's lives, Okay. But sometimes we could care less about the gift that God has given us because sometimes we don't even know where we stand with God. We don't even know if he really loves us or not. So today I want to unpack that first. I don't think you and I can move forward in any direction without first knowing where we stand with God. And so my prayer today is that you would understand where you stand because of what he says about you and what he thinks about you. And so if you were to Google faith, hope, and love in the Bible, if you were to Google faith, hope, and love within Google, you would find uh, four million results for those words. Four million results around faith, hope, and love. If you were to, uh, just through the NIV Bible, just through the New International Version, which is one of the translations that we use, or the, pretty much the one translation we use as much as we can, you would find 681 times the word love is used in the Bible. And you can see how love is obviously a thread within the Bible. The most famous scripture that even non-Christians know, non-believers know, is what? John 3.16, right? For God so what? Loved the world that he gave, right? And so when we think about God, we should first know that he loves us, but that he is also a giving God. So if we're going to be Christ-like, we're giving, Right? He, he gave his only begotten son so that what? Each and every one of us would have a life with him. At the end of the day, it's about eternal life with him, a focus. And sometimes I think we get love skewed and we get it kind of misused. And it's hard to love outward when you're not receiving the love of God that you need to have in your life. And so uh, Paul writes, there's this guy named Paul. And he kind of, he pretty much writes majority of the New Testament. And if you're a new believer in the room or you've been a seasoned believer in the room, Paul had a radical encounter with Christ. Paul actually used to be a murderer of Christians. 
Paul was the highest, one of the highest ranked Pharisees, which means he knew the law. He was one of the highest ranked from a wisdom standpoint. He was well-scholared. He was well-schooled. He kind of had it all together. In those ranks, he probably also had wealth. He probably had everything that you could possibly have in this time frame. Wisdom, knowledge, he had power, and he also had a sword that he could wield at any time if somebody was against the government. And on this road, this one specific time, God throws an audible, runs into Paul. Lord blinds Paul, can't see. Paul immediately knows it's the presence of God. He ends up having an encounter with Jesus and his whole life gets turned upside down. First of all, let me just intercede something there. At any moment, at any time, if you're willing, Jesus can change your entire life. Okay? And that's a whole other message, but that is, that I needed to throw. That's a freebie. Let me just throw that one in there. Paul has this radical encounter with God and his whole life changes. And he starts to preach a gospel. He starts to preach the good news of Jesus. And he speaks about this idea about faith, hope, and love multiple times. And one of the first places uh, that we see it is he's talking to uh, the church at Corinth. And you have to understand that the people that he's talking to in this church looked a lot like he used to look. They had power. They were smart. They were one of the wealthiest churches or, 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 or cities in that area. And Paul speaks to them, and he says this to them in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. He says, and now these three remain. Okay, He's saying, after everything else you have, all of the wealth you have, all of the knowledge you have, everything that you have, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And then look at this, he says, but the greatest of these is love. And what I love about this is that that's not the only place uh, that we see this, but oftentimes when you think about those words together, faith, hope, and love, if you're a seasoned believer, you always go back to this scripture right here. And oftentimes you say, oh, well, that's great. Paul's just so smart, man. He just came up with that. No, he didn't just come up with that. The reason I refer back to his encounter with Jesus is because if I, with what I just told you about a man being a murderous man, do you think he could, in his mind, live a life of faith, hope, and love without Jesus? Probably not. And what happens is we see this in Corinthians, but then he also speaks to the church in, the church in, in Colossae. And in the, in, in the book of Colossians, he speaks something very similar, and you see another pattern. And this church looked a little bit different. They weren't as wealthy, but they had a lot of turmoil going on. They had a lot of spiritual kind of warfare happening. And this is what he tells them in, uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. As he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of what? The love you have for all God's people. And then look, the faith and love that spring from hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. I love that. You see faith, hope, and love all over again. Remember, the greatest of these is love. About three years before he speaks this to the church in Colossians, he speaks to the church in Thessalonia. He speaks to them. And he says this to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. He says, 
we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by what? Faith. He says your labor prompted by what? Love. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on a few verses later and he says this, but since we belong since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith, putting it on, and the love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. You see, because of what Jesus did, Paul received something. When he had that encounter with Jesus, Paul received something. He received something that only you and I can absolutely obtain if we have Jesus in our heart and our mind and our in our, in our soul. It, it, it's absolute. And one of those absolute truths is you can live by faith, you can have hope, and you can love people really well. You see, but this is the thing. Some of us do not even look at ourselves and say, I'm loved by God. And if we're going to be a church that loves on purpose, you first have to realize how loved you are. Paul goes on to that Corinthians church in, in, in the book of Corinthians, uh, the letter to them, and he actually gives us characteristics of what love is. He actually goes on and he tells us exactly what those characteristics are. And before I do that, you have to understand that there's multiple, multiple versions of love in the Bible. But the love that Paul's talking about is an agape love. And what that agape love is, it means it's God's love. It's the type of love that only God can give. You see, God's love is first selfless, not selfish, selfless. It's then sacrificial, hence why he sent Jesus on the cross. He didn't have to do that, but he did. You see it also as unconditional. There's nothing you and I can do that can sway his love for us. Now, don't get that miscued. That doesn't mean that we go live a life however we want because God's just going to love us that way. No, no, no. When you realize the love of the Father, you want to live as the Father wants you to live, Right? It's like my son. My son, Nehemiah, I always reference my son now, especially now that I'm a dad. Here's the reality. My son will live in my house till he gets to a certain age, and then, God willing, he ends up going to college, and he does what he needs to do to go change the world. Until he leaves, he has the covering of me as his father. If he stays in my house, he will be blessed by me. If he stays in my house... I will protect him. If he stays in my house, I will feed him. If he stays in my house, I will love him. But if he chooses to leave the covering of my house, it is going to be very difficult for me to do that. So when we realize God's love for us, we say, where do I stay? What house do I need to live in, Lord? Because I want to stay in your covering. And too many times, what happens, especially in our world, well, God loves me, and we use that as an excuse to go live a life however we want, and just say, oh, well, that's because God loves me. It's fine. It'll all be covered up anyways. But then you lose the protection in your mind and in your heart and in your soul. You lose the protection of the Father. So we have to understand that this kind of love is very specific for you and me. It, it challenges us to live a life different than what we lived yesterday. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a God love. It's unstoppable. And again, Paul talks about this and he uses 15 characteristics of love. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He's, he's explaining to this church what love is. Okay? Hear me out. He's explaining to a group of believers, church people. If there is a time 
in any generation that Christians in our age need to learn what this is, it's, it's Paul speaking this to this church today and to every church in America pretty much, these characteristics of love. But look what he says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Again, God's love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. He says, it does not dishonor others. And it is not self-seeking, and it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Let me stop right there for a second. God's love for us, he deletes all the records. How many records do you have? Just think about that for a second. Some of us in this room live our life today because of the record we have from somebody hurting us five years ago or two days ago or 10 years ago. If you have God's love, Jesus, help us. Give me your love, Lord, because I do not want my life paralyzed today because of something that happened to me five years ago or 10 years ago. Jesus, give us this love that we have no record of wrongs, that I can, I can, I can go to that file on my computer and highlight it the records we keep and highlight it and click delete and that's what heaven does. You get rid of it. You never have to open it again. That's the kind of love that we have to have. And what's interesting is that we look at this and say, okay, well, I need to grab this and give it away. But here, no, first you need to realize this is how God loves you. He doesn't record your wrongs and hold it to you. He goes on and says, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It says, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then I love this. What does it say? Love never fails. You notice the verses right before that, always trusts, always hopes. Not sometimes. Not when I feel like it. Not when the other person responds the way I want them to respond. Not when my coworker brings me coffee. Not, I'm not going to just love them uh, sometimes. I'm going to love people all the time, always, and I'm going to do it trustworthy, and I'm going to bring hope to the room, and I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure that I'm an example of the love that I have in my heart from God, right? And I love this because you have to understand that this is the type of love that Jesus has for you and me. And I remember when I first started my faith journey, I uh, ended up getting asked by a friend of mine if I would go with him to the local prison, but it was a prison for ju juveniles. It wasn't it wasn't your typical juvie, somebody just broke into a car and they put up, no, these, these, these 16, 17-year-old kids um, had murdered people. They had, they had done very, very bad things to other individuals. And I had this friend of mine ask me, hey, do you want to come with me? And at first I was like, oh, sounds cool, you know, sounds kind of great. And then he started telling me what we were actually going to do and that we were actually going to be inside the prison, inside the walls of this place, and we were going to be sitting in small groups, in circles with, with people, and that once we got done with small group, I was going to be responsible to take two or three guys into a corner, and I was going to sit there, and I had to teach them the gospel. And when he told me that, I was like, I'm good, I'm good, you can go. <laughs> I'd already said yes, so I had to go. And... I get there, and uh, let me tell you, it was a very sobering reality for me. And I get in this room, and my buddy who was with me introduces himself 
and then introduces me. And all these guys, I'm from a little town called Bernalillo, which is in between Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Santa Fe. This prison was about three hours north of this town I grew up in. This town was small. Some of the gang members that were sitting in this circle knew the exact town I lived in and were from Albuquerque. And they knew some of the very same people I knew in my city. And the minute they said Bernalillo, and the minute they said Jesus, and the minute all of a sudden the posture changes, right? And I'm like, oh man, this is, this is going to be crazy. These guys start to circle up and they start to introduce themselves. And I remember directly across from me, they got to this guy by the name of Marco. And Marco was 17 years old. 17 years old. He had been in there since he was 15, turned 17. And basically Marco's story was that he was part of a gang and he was responsible to go collect the money from certain people who had been selling drugs. And he ended up meeting up with somebody and they shorted him $20. And he didn't realize it till he was going to go to do the drop-off. So in between, he sits on the side of the road and counts all the money a couple times and says, okay, I'm going to have to go back and get this other $20. And the guy didn't want to give it to him. And he knew that if he went back without doing something about it, his life would be on the line. So Marco killed the guy over $20 to save his own life. He ends up in this prison and it looked like, depending on how he, his life was going to go over the next year, whether he was going to go to federal penitentiary and end up spending the rest of his life in prison. We break off into this small group, and as we sit in this small group, Marco's sitting in front of me, and I remember the warden guy, the guy that kind of led the entire place, he comes to me and he says, look, you probably only have one minute to convince them. So you need one minute, you need one message. And he says, what is it going to be? And I remember thinking to myself, I, I have no idea. And as I walked to that small group, I prayed and just asked the Holy Spirit, what do I say? What do I say? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, tell them that I love them. That's the only message you need to have. And I sat down, took a deep breath. All these guys postured up in front of me. And I said, look, guys. I understand where you're at. I understand the prison you're in. I understand the world that you live in. If there was one message, one reason that I came into this room today is because I need you to understand that God loves you. And the whole temperature of the room changed, only in a way that God could do it. To take a very long story short, Marco ended up getting out, moving to Albuquerque, ended up in a halfway house. I stayed connected with him. I went up there every month for six months and met with Marco one-on-one -on -one before I'd meet with anybody else. Met with him one-on-one. -on -one. About the third, fourth time, I got to share the, the true gospel of Jesus with him and prayed with him, prayed the sinner's prayer with him, and God forgave him. And he stood there weeping, holding me. The guy that I thought was literally going to murder me the first day I saw him is now embracing me in a prison with a love inside of his heart that only God could give him. He ended up getting out, going to a halfway house. Audra's uncle used to work for a place called YDI, and I connected with them, got him plugged in there. I, I know that he never ended up back in prison, and I know that that was, that was only by God's grace that somebody could live that way, and their whole life can change by the love of the gospel. You see, that's the kind of love. When we say love on purpose, it's that kind of love. 
And sometimes there's people in your life and my life, you only have one minute and one message. And if there is one thing you can show them and if there's one thing you can say to them, it should be that you're loved. That's why we want to be a, a church that says that. There's multiple people here today wearing shirts that say love on purpose. It's not because it's a cool saying. It's because Christ loves us that way, so we are going to purposefully love that way. So I need you to understand that today. And you ask, okay, I get that, I get that, but what are practical ways? What are some easy ways, Pastor, that I can love on purpose? What are some easy, practical ways? I need you to understand this really quickly, though, that God loves you perfectly, God loves you powerfully, and he loves you permanently. Before I get into the practicality, I need you to understand that right where you're sitting, this is how God loves you, perfectly. It's not skewed. We don't do a what if, God. If I do this, God, you love me. No, 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 no. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Enough said. He loves you perfectly. Number two, he loves you powerfully. And the last one, he loves you permanently. There's nothing you can do to sway it. There's nothing you can do to change it. So how do we do this? And I want to give you some very simple ways that I think will counter the culture that we live in. Would you agree that we live in a world that's full of hate, full of self-service, full of I want to live however I want, full of discord, wounds? How many people do you have in your life right now are wounded? How many, how many of us are wounded even in our own hearts today because of something that happened this week? We live in this world. So how can we change it? How can we love on purpose? The first thing you and I need to do is say it. The three most powerful words you and I have with the people that are closest to us is this. I love you. Hear me when I say this. I love you. Some of us, there's so much discord in our families. There's so much discord in, in relationships. All because we don't want to pause for one minute and just say, I love you. I love you covers it at that point. Just say it. Just say it. Because the more you say it, the more you will live it. If you're a 90s kid in here, if you're a 90s kid in here back in the 90s, some of you guys are whatever, 90s, <laughs> there was a band by the name of TLC. <laughs> Don't go chasing motherfuckers. <laughs> And in the band was, this band got really popular, and one of the bandmates' names was Chili, right? And there was an interview with Chili, and they had this big interview with her, and the interviewee asks her, now that you have all this money, now that you have all this influence, now that you have all of this, what are you going to do with it? And she says, I'm going to take it all, and I'm going to search for my dad who abandoned me. Abandoned me and my family. I'm going to search for him so I could sit in front of him just to hear him say, I love you. Let me tell you something that's heartbreaking about that story. Out of everything she had, she went searching for I love you. She went searching for it. Let me tell you something. Do not let the people closest to you today go looking and searching for those words. You hear me? Don't let people go search for it. Because when people go search for it, they will find it in places that were never meant to find it. 
and it will destroy their soul, it will destroy their mind, and before you know it, people will be walking around a fraction of who they are. It is our responsibility to stand strong, hold somebody up and say, I love you. I love you, so just say it. Find the person that's closest to you this week, the person that's at odds with you, and just say it. Just say it. Trust me, I, I, I grew up in a Hispanic culture. I love you from a dad and from my uncles and from machismo and this. You don't say that. You don't say that. But let me tell you, you need to say it. Number two is this. You need to write it. Write it. Some of you need to write it down. Send a note to somebody. Sit down and craft a, a really, really thoughtful, loving email and send it to somebody. Go pick up a note up from Walgreens and write it down. Write it so people always have it. I have this Bible right here that's, that you guys see me. I use this pretty much every Sunday. And in the back of this Bible, I got this Bible when I was uh, a youth pastor back in New Mexico. And it's, it's still my favorite Bible. 16 years ago, I got this Bible. My favorite page in here is written by Audra. And she wrote this. She put Jesus. I think you're hot. I mean, she didn't write that part. <laughs> she, put, she put Jesus. Well, this Bible is to help you do what you were called to do. So do your stuff. I love you, Audra. How many people in your life right now need a forever note? How many coworkers? How many family members? Does your spouse, does your kids, who needs a forever note in their life? Something that they could go back to and just remember how much they're loved. Just think about that. Number three is this, convey it. How do you convey it? Me, buy a dozen tortillas, drop them off in my house. Good, right? I mean, good. Convey it. Get a gift card for somebody and hand it off to them at work. Grab flowers for your spouse. Whatever it looks like, convey it. Convey the love you have in your heart because you know what happens when you do something like that? And sometimes we take this for granted. And I have a wife who sets this example out in front of me so much that, that it always encourages me to love better because of how she loves. But you know what happens when somebody loves like that? You're, you're pausing your entire life in all the hell that you and I go through on a daily basis and a weekly basis and the stresses that we have and the worries that we have and all this kind of stuff. You know what happens when you stop to convey it? You're letting the other person know, my world doesn't matter right now, yours does. Convey it. Who needs that this week in your life? Just where do you need to pause your life this week and all your demands to love on purpose? Where? Next one is this. You have to mean it. You have to mean it. When you do all of this stuff, you have to mean it. Why? Because in your good and, and your bad and in your mess, God still means it to us, which means we mean it to everybody that's around us. We have to mean it. Love always goes first. Love always moves forward and leaves no record of wrongs. 
Love always pushes forward. And we have to mean it. And we have to do it. And we have to, we have to show the world around us and our families what the enemy is fighting for. He's fighting to separate us from God. He's fighting to separate us from each other. He's fighting to separate marriages. He's fighting to separate friendships. It is only by love when we mean it that we can get it back to where it needs to be. And you and I have to take that step. I want to close with this story today. This story impacted my life and one of the reasons why we have a heart for foster care. And I remember hearing this story and thinking that's, a, that's exactly the kind of love that God has for us. And the story goes like this, that there was a, there was a teenage girl who, you have to understand in the foster care system, the majority of kids that need fostering are over the age of 12, 13. Most parents that actually want to foster usually will foster kids. So by the time a 12, 13-year-old gets into the system, there's probably not going to be any hope for them. And that's what happened to this little girl. This girl grew up in the foster care system and became a teenager. 13, 14 years old was in the system. But she runs across this family that she ends up in their home. And she ends up in their home, and as this family starts to take care of these, take care of this girl, God starts to kind of put something on their heart. And eventually, the mom and dad decide, we want to adopt her. And they sit her down, and they say, look, we know your life isn't where you think it needs to be, but we want to adopt you. We love you like a daughter. And the dad looks at the little girl and says, I would love for you to have my last name. So they go through this process and they change her name. And the thing was, this little girl had a backstory. There's a lot of stuff going on in her life. She had friends that she probably shouldn't have stayed in touch with and this and that. But she started this journey with this family. She gets to a point where the family leaves for two days and she stays behind. Family comes back after two days, and as they approach their front door, they realize something's wrong. And they walk through the front door, and the house had been robbed, ransacked, everything gone. And they run inside the house, and they start looking for her, and they can't find her. They call the cops, and the cops say, oh, it's just that foster girl. It's just that girl. I bet you she did it, the cops would tell them. A few days later, cops call. Hey, we found her, and we found most of your stuff. But it was at this house, and they sold all of it for drugs. Do you want us just to take her to jail and leave her there? And all the friends were around, this mom and dad, and they started saying, she's not even yours. You shouldn't even worry about it. Yeah, you gave her your last name, but it's not real. And these friends started telling this mom and dad, just check out of it. That's just a sign of the way she is. You're never going to change that. And the dad gets up, starts pacing back and forth, and the cop says, look, you can leave her. Don't worry about it. We can drop her right back into the system. It's not a big deal. And the dad stops in the middle of the house, raises his voice to everybody and says one thing. 
I promised her I would be her father. I gave her my last name. And he proceeds to get back on the phone and say, where do I pick her up at? And when I heard that story, not only did it break my heart about foster care, but I realized how powerful the love of a father can be. You see, what's powerful about that story is that is how God loves you and me. He gives us his name. He looks at us and says, even in your shortcomings, even in your failures, even in where you've dropped the ball, even when you don't think you're worthy, you're still my son and you're still my daughter. If we're going to be a church that loves on purpose, you and I first have to receive that love from the Father. So as we close today, I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me as we close. I think because we introduced a new song today, I think we should probably sing it one more time at the end. And it's that song, As You Find Me. And there's some very powerful lyrics in this song, but let me tell you something. You, you have to respond. You, you yourself have to look in your heart today and you just need to be you and just let God find you right here in this moment. You don't, you don't need to try to prove anything this morning. You just need to, okay, God, here I am. The beauty about the gospel of Christ is that it's good news to those with a brokenness, to those who are hurting, to those who feel like they've failed and messed up. The good news is we serve a father who says, I've given you my name. We serve a God who says, I'll take care of that on the cross and give you my son. All you have to do is believe. So this morning, I'm going to ask you as we sing this song, wherever you're at, I want you to pray. I want you to hear the lyrics of this song and sing it out to God. Just right where you're at. No, no distractions. Just be you right in this place and hear those words. I love you from your Father. Hear those words and let God speak to you this morning. I'm gonna pray for you and then we'll roll into this song. God, I come before you this morning so grateful that you changed Paul's life made him a son, and he goes and teaches churches and teaches us what it should look like to love. And God, before we close this service today in worship to you, I pray for each person that, is, that can hear my voice right now. And I pray, God, that they would realize first how much they are loved. And I pray right now, God, that as you choose to love us, we would also choose to love you back. And that we would be a church that loves on purpose. And before we even do that, God, we have to understand where your love is for us. And so I pray right now, God, for every person in this room. And I'm going to ask this with every head bowed and every eye closed. We don't do that because it's religious. We do it so we're not distracted. I'm going to ask if there is somebody in this room right now that says, I, I really need that love of God. I really need to embrace that. I'm going to ask you real quickly just to put your hand up real quick and then just put it back down. See you. 
God sees you, and he loves you right where you're at. Lord, I pray for those who just raised their hand and ask God that in their hearts right now, they would receive that love from you. Jesus, that they would, they would receive it wholeheartedly, nothing to prove. You're calling them by name right now, and you see their future, the plan you have for them, the hope you have for them, the gifts you have in them. And I ask right now, Jesus, that you would bless them. And Lord, as we sing this song together, God, that you would be blessed by us, our hearts open to you, our minds open to you. Holy Spirit, move within each and every one of us that we would proclaim your name a little bit differently when we walk out today because we understand the extravagant love you have for us in this place. We love on purpose because you first loved us. So Lord, hear our prayers this morning in this song. In Jesus' name, amen.